0: In the movie adaptation of Bernard Malmud's novel, The Natural, the character of Roy Hobbs is based largely on baseball phenom Shoeless Joe Jackson, superstar player for the 1919 White Sox. Here, he faces the gambling interests before the big game.
1: Hey, look, are you okay? I'm fine. You look a little lost. I'm not.
0: Excerpt courtesy Sony Pictures Entertainment. You dropped this on your way out. Hobbs throws down the envelope containing the $20,000 he was given.
1: Something seems amiss. Correct me if I'm wrong, Hobbs, but we had a deal.
0: Hobbs shakes his head no.
1: Those are your winnings, slugger. It's a gag, Hobbs. Pick it up. Get out of here. If it isn't enough money, tell us what you've got in mind. To hit away. I thought I could rely on your honor, Hobbs. You're about to. You're a foolish, foolish man.
0: Then let it ride. You're yesterday's news, kid. You had a great gift of talent, but it's not enough. I think you're a loser. True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy.
1: Celebrity gossip. Murder.
0: UFOs.
1: Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scandal Sheet, Your source for exhaustive investigations into anything socially deviant, scientifically unexplainable, horrifically sinister, and, if we get lucky, criminal. And this is another episode of our Baseball Scandal series, where we examine perhaps the most famous of baseball conspiracies in history. The throwing of the 1919 World Series by eight key players of the Chicago White Sox for organized illegal gambling. My name is Thad Helsley, and I am joined by my two Perry Mason co-hosts. The first was just appointed Dean of the Columbia School of Journalism's Lion Fake News Department, Cassia.
2: Hello. Thank you.
1: And our artificial intelligence engine and hydroxychloroquine
0: hoarder, Bernice. I'm simply engaging in the time-honored practice of price gouging.
1: Let's get back to the 1919 World Series. Bernice, can you set the stage for us?
0: Certainly. The 1919 World Series matched the Chicago White Sox with the Cincinnati Reds and was held between October 1st and 9th. It was one of only four championships that was a best-of-nine-game series. Despite being the better team and overwhelming favorite to win, the White Sox inexplicably lost the series 3-5. to five. Rumors immediately began to circulate that the game had been fixed, but it was not until 11 months later that the growing public outcry forced a criminal investigation resulting in the indictments of eight White Sox players and five gamblers.
1: Okay, let's hold it there, Bernice. We'll save the sensational climax for later. So, Cassio, <laughs> We certainly understand the motivation of the mobsters, but why did the players do it?
2: Of course, they would do it for extra cash, but I don't think all of them did it for that reason. I think some of them did it out of p- peer pressure, okay, or potentially threats from the mob
1: yes it it certainly after they once had they got into it right once they got into it right. But but do you want to provide any of the sort of the financial clarity for our listeners, which probably don't know anything about what America was like in 1919?
2: You say it. Okay. And I'll say what I think.
1: Okay. So according to the records in the public domain, the average player in 1919, White sock included would make around four thousand now somebody who was a lot better would would make more and theoretically there would be bonuses for things like world series or or pennant races and four thousand dollars at the time sounds small but in 1919 that was at least two times more than the average american made which can also be uh, readily verified now four thousand dollars if you uh pop it into an, any inflation index uh, piece, is just shy of $60,000 in 2020 money. So even though it was two times more than what the average American made, it obviously is a tiny, tiny share. I mean, compared to today's players who make in the millions, they make a, a much more fair proportion of the overall profit pie. In the case of these players, even though they themselves were the product, they were making tiny share of the profit pie. So in terms of establishing motivation, uh, an owner makes himself vulnerable when he underpays the people who are his product. The amount of money that had been offered by the gamblers to the players, which came out in both grand jury and courtroom testimony, was about $100,000 to be split between the eight of them.
2: Well, okay, so I heard the the number a hundred thousand dollars. However, we don't even know. A lot of these guys said they were going to get twenty thousand before the first. No, game, they didn't but they get it. 10, did. No, that's right. We'll did.
1: get. We'll certainly get to that. They did not get that money. They were promised. That was the promised transaction.
2: Right, but they were also promised more than that by other because there was conf, there were competing gamblers. There were a lot of at least two syndicates in on it and people were trying to kind of outbid one another to be part of the scheme but whatever okay i didn't um, know that
1: i thought it was just the rothstein um gang i didn't realize there was oh, a competing gang there
2: they there were two different gamblers who um, chick gandall is that the name
1: yeah he's not a gambler he was the first baseman
2: Chick Gandle went to some gamblers. Right. And and then the, and then those gamblers went to Rothstein. Right. And then some people There was a go debate, between guy. Debate whether or not Rothstein really was it. He definitely knew about it cuz he made like $400,000 uh, betting against the Sox. But he some people claim that he actually didn't pay found an article, I don't know if you read this, that was published in the New York Times late last year by a guy named John Thorne, who is a historian for Major League Baseball. I didn't know Major League Baseball had a historian, but apparently they do. He wrote an article, this is published October of last year, in which he lays out what he calls the Eight Myths Out, referring to Eight Men Out, the title of that book.
1: And movie, written,
2: yeah. the book turned into a movie written by Azanov, right? Um, which in 2003, the author alleged um, admitted that he had made up, he had a- edited in certain fictional elements in order to protect himself against copyright violations Um, and some of those things that he invented were reported as fact notably in the Ken Burns documentary
1: yes I noticed there were a lot of factual errors in the Ken Burns documentary
2: yeah because a lot of things have come out that's like 20 years old yeah um, so a lot of things have come out since then right when anything would come out about yeah exactly
1: me. the uh in fact john sales the director of eight men out the movie version of the book uh is in that ken burns documentary uh in that section he's in it quite frequently and he says a lot of shit that was wrong
2: yeah that no, has totally. been proven wrong yeah well i don't think there's anything wrong with like um a movie being inaccurate. It's ex- like this, this, this Kate, like I said, this shit is kind of complicated and it doesn't fit into a simple like narrative, a Hollywood movie kind of narrative.
1: Well, that's what we're here to do. Cassia. just like with the Pete Rose scandal, we're going to get to the bottom of this. But Unlike
2: Pete Rose. I mean, none of these people have half of the intrigue of, Mr. Rose.
1: Well, Shoeless Joe does. Shoeless Joe. I
2: disagree. Does. I am like not. I don't like Shoeless Joe.
1: Uh oh. Not dear. a Shoeless Joe fan. So Uh-oh. we're gonna have
2: we're gonna have some like. We're gonna difficulty.
1: have to be okay. We're gonna have to drag uh, Ray Liotta out of his you know Mulholland Drive mansion and beat the hell out of him for appearing in Field of Dreams.
2: Is that the the the? jd salinger black guy
1: no no he um he plays you know ray leota right he always plays mobsters oh. and stuff like that he's got oh, a very yeah he's like martin scorsese he was in goodfellas he's the main guy in that oh okay yeah he's you know super handsome but uh, but very sort of italian looking but his breakout role was playing the ghost of shoeless joe jackson in field of dreams which was what 1991 so he's that first guy that comes out of young, the club. He was very young. Right? Yes, he was yeah, in his yeah, early yeah. 20s then.
2: i to talk about the historian of baseball. And the first myth that he puts forward, um, which is based also on a lot of research done by the S.A.B.R., the Society for American Baseball Research... Holy fucking shit, these nerds. um, They have a website, they have chapters in like every major city in America. There's an Albuquerque chapter. Anyways, their first myth is that Comiskey is a Scrooge. And so the myth, the myth, they say, is that the Black Sox threw the 1919 World Series because they were so poorly paid and mistreated by their miserly team owner, Charles Comiskey.
1: They were not poorly paid, but they were, as we cover thing on the Black Sox, the, the, not, uniforms. the, the uniforms, and also they did not receive their bonuses that they were promised, the cash U- bonuses U- under contract for winning the American League pennant. They did not receive them. That was the last straw.
2: Right, but the fact was that the White Sox had one of the highest payrolls in baseball, Correct. and most players yeah. were better paid than their peers in the American because League. Because they
1: had a couple of stars, so even though the average salary was 4000 Shoeless Joe was making like eight, And then the, the lead pitcher, who was the ringleader of the eight men out, he was, um, he was doing pretty good, too. But Comiskey made him sit out like he in his contract it said if he won 30 games, he would get a $10,000 bonus. When he got to 29, he was put on the bench because he didn't want to pay the bonus. That's been verified. So stuff like that is what pissed them off. Now, you're right. Everybody hates an owner. Look how much we've done with the learners.
2: Sure, sure, sure. But people are also portraying – they streamline his character. They're like, yes, they conflate the not paying out the bonuses and making them launder their own uniforms as – as evidence that they were they were paid like crap, and I don't. No, think that's, that's true. true. That's they an exaggeration. High, they had he, high payrolls. He's
1: They're just salary. another capitalist douchebag, but standard, standard. I'm not saying he. I don't think he was particularly worse than Wrigley or some other owner. Bernice, I was also understood. The influence of gambling in baseball and other professional sports was very widespread at the time. Would you mind explaining further?
0: In 1919, gambling was perfectly legal in most states. In fact, a spectator attending a game could place a bet right inside the stadium. One could bet on a win-loss but also point spreads in the performance of individual players.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. I see. So fixing a game, in other words bribing players to underperform was where the mob came in.
0: Correct. The gangsters would bribe players on the team most favored to win and place their bets on the opposing team, as the odds and the resulting profits were much higher.
1: Okay, Kassia, this reminds me of our Dirty ump" conversations of last season. Dun-dun-dun! I know you were skeptical about my conclusions, but isn't this the same theory? bribe someone who's very powerful but underpaid in order to right. influence the game's outcome isn't it's like nothing's changed since nineteen nineteen? Yeah. except i mean they can't gambling. afford to to bribe max scherzer i mean nobody's going to give max scherzer 40 million dollars for throwing a game but a guy who makes under thousand, you can bribe him
2: Sure, but 100000 is still a lot of money. I mean, here's the thing. The difference between then and now is that sports gambling is no way near as popular now as it was then. If you could make a bet at the stadium, that means a lot of people were making bets, and it was a very run-of-the-mill thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, still highly regulated – um In this country at the time, because it was after that. I mean, this was this was one of the pivotal events along with because we haven't got into like everything that was going on in fucking 1919. You had the flu. You had World War One. You had the temperance union. You had women's rights. I mean, you talk about a convergence of history. Right. That really transformed America. And then gambling was outlawed almost everywhere. Um, within two years this was one of the things that did that okay and today we're gradually remember we talked about the supreme court ruling that said sports gambling could be legal under certain in in yeah. up, it was up to the states so now yeah. the handcuffs are coming off um but you're right at the time well it was how a,
2: long had it been how long had it been illegal uh,
1: 80 years i mean you could only gamble in nevada and new jersey legally in this country period and in new jersey only in atlantic city right so that was it those were your only choices for 80 years but since we're on the subject of gambling the other bizarre point that jumped out at me that i wanted to bring up, so in this era before sort of this wave of ultra conservatism had swept across us, um, not only was gambling legal everywhere, but but the fact that illegal fixing was going on was not uncommon, and at least in individual games of which mm-hmm. there were thousands in the regular season, right everybody knew about it and it was tolerated by authorities, you know, in the same way that speeding, like you can go 15 miles over the speed limit and nobody's going to pull you over. You know, they 15 is like, if you go 16, then we'll pull you over. So it's just like, you know, and if you get caught smoking a, a joint it it's like, okay, we don't really care. So it was that kind of a thing because it really didn't hurt anybody except the gamblers who were taking the risk to begin with. Right. So, as long it was as it was a vice practice in moderation, nobody really uh, did anything about it. And there were so many people, including um, guys like Ty Cobb, who you know he was next to Shoeless Joe Jackson was the most famous player of his day and one of the most in history. Countless times, he personally rigged games. And the thing was, mm-hmm. it was so common you could buy you could buy Uh, a pitcher, a Max Scherzer to throw a game to pitch badly for as little as 45 bucks for a single game, 45 bucks. Of course, that's a guy making 4,000. So 45 bucks out of 158 games, you know, that may maybe meant, meant something. But the thing was throwing a world series. That was just so way. I mean, it's one thing to have like a little bag of dope in your car and the cops catch you. But if you've got a truck filled with a ton of dope, That's kind of what this was, right? There's no way they can ignore that. You're throwing the World Series. There's probably millions and millions of dollars being bet. Big stakes. So what do you
2: think? Well, see, I don't know. I mean, when you watch movies from the late 20s and early 30s before the Hollywood Code came in, um, you know, everyone's a... A bootlegger. Everyone's a gambler. Right. Nobody. They were the romanticized.
1: Level. They were heroes. Everybody.
2: I mean, every all of the all of the heroes are are villains or do villainous deeds. Um, so right. the idea the heroes are anti heroes like
1: Humphrey Bogart or something. it was like,
2: <laughs> right. Well, I'm saying if that's if you think that's a reflection of popular sentiment at the time, yes. I think it probably was. Yeah. Then I don't I don't think people were nearly as innocent or as like oh, they were, like, so scandalized by the Black Sox as some of these retroactive histories uh, make it out to be. Like, I don't know. Like, just the tone, for instance, of the Ken Burns thing where they have Garrison Keillor reading a sad poem with their (laughs) shitty documentary music about... The loss of innocence. It's just like, oh my God. Like, have you ever seen Babyface? Like, come on. Like, no one was thinking that way at the time. And again, all of those temperance movements, those were a minority of people, a reactionary faction that was able to gain power. Um, I don't think it was representative of the average American's worldview.
1: Well, it's still – but it made it through both houses but, of Congress. But I
2: do think that the Black Sox – I don't know. I'm not a cultural historian. But I do think that this probably was part of that – this set the stage for those movements that we would see for the, over the next decade.
1: Over the – the, the cultural
2: conservatism. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, that happened. But again, but that was all – again, and like – gatsby i mean this is written about in the great gatsby of course and and it's very
1: strange isn't it that even though from a legal perspective all this stuff was happening and yet it's called the roaring 20s and like you say gatsby fitzgerald so on one side drinking according to wikipedia went up 60 70 percent as a direct result of prohibition
2: exactly that's what i'm that's what i'm saying there's there's these two, there's this facade, and then there's like the real thing that's happening. Um, and even though the the people in power are all agreed that yes, oh my God, we we have to get rid of the rot in our homes. We're we have to get, you know, and they, a lot of this was a lot of the temperance movement was associated with suff with feminists and
1: absolutely. I mean, there's a direct correlation between. Suffering. Yeah, between the, what is it, the 18th and 19th Amendment? I mean, they're months apart from one another. You know, women get the right vote.
2: And they they used to say, we can't drink because, you know, men drink and then they beat up their wives.
1: Right, right.
2: So a lot of the, like, there's a cultural conservatism that has been uh, connected with feminism in America forever historically to yeah. The yeah. day i would argue to the Red sox so-called bombshell report of the last few days um that's that's still part of American cultural tradition I think it's wrong but it still is so I don't know I don't i don't I don't know whether or not people were as like they had some some guys who were like I was a little boy back then and oh my God I'll never be the same my, my heart was broken yeah I they did believe- <laughs> it's like the guy with the yellow
1: teeth yeah
2: say that like mm. I don't know like I think most kids would be like oh man they cheated that's fucking dope like they'd be uh they they'd be more interested in criminality okay. than in you're talking about an the... early
1: 90s doc doctor... you're talking about the ken burns thing.
2: well i'm saying and he's that... all
1: about mythos right that's absolutely what that's, and that's what
2: he's, he's doing baseball is all about mythos right and america is all about mythos right.
1: the thing and... that he brought to the table was he really sort of um Shined a light on the black experience, which had never been. Most people had never heard of the Negro Leagues, so that was the one thing, sort of the clarifying thing that he did bring to the table. And he had like that guy from the Kansas City Monarchs. You
2: think so?
1: Well, at the time.
2: Well, when I was in when I was in school, I mean, we are there. Jackie Robinson. That's one of like five things you actually learn.
1: I okay. Yeah, but you're talking a very different era, right? I mean, this helped do that.
2: No, not really. I don't. I don't give Ken Burns credit for that. I really? Okay, don't. I got
1: to tell you, when I was a kid, like you know, on Jackie Robinson Day, everybody wears 42, right? In the entire league. Okay, they did not have a Jackie Robinson Day in the 60s. I have 70s no or doubt 80s.
2: that they didn't, but that doesn't mean that Ken Burns is responsible for the. Well, game.
1: he was part of a wave, I guess. Of
2: I think that he may have been a a. A, a metric of the wave. I don't think he's responsible for it. Well, I don't, I don't know. Think
1: he's Look, responsible
2: these, for anything.
1: This stuff comes in seismic waves, okay?
2: okay we're getting off track. We are Here's getting the, off track. The, the problem about the 1919 World Series is it's just very hard to use the resources available to us because all of them have an agenda and a lot of them are, they're doing, yeah, they're doing these, they're doing myth making. That's what Ken Burns is doing. He's a myth maker more than he's a historian. Well, but we're There's not a ton of uh, bullshit. I in, sent you in, that just because that it, clip.
1: even though there were some incorrect, it, 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 it sort of, it, it was just a good summary, you know, of a, a video. Right, it's a good summary,
2: but also like uh, a lot of this is still open to interpretation. Um, was was Joe? Did he? Did foolish Joe really participate? We need
1: to what, talk about that. What What was the that. extent
2: of his participation?
1: But let's let's save that one. Okay. For a few more. Minutes. Okay,
2: let's move on, man. This is like this is too hard, man.
1: <laughs> no, it's good stuff because I mean everybody's just sitting around picking their butt. Did we say enough about Kaminsky? Do you are you feel like you've Comiskey. said your piece, Kaminsky? Did you do you, do you feel, feel like, like you like neutralized We have what to I talk said? about
2: there there's disagreement about whether Kaminsky wa- knew during the during the World Series that there was a fix or whether he discovered later. Now obviously he pretended that he didn't know. Um. I see. I I, I've read some things. I don't have. Information I've read on that. some things where people basically were like, "Yeah, Comiskey knew." Like after the, f- I don't remember the. Game one, game two, game three, breakdown. It's hard to like, right? Because when they realized they weren't going to get
1: all the money from the gamblers by like game five, they were like, You're all done. of a sudden they tried to play as hard as they possibly could. They tried
2: to win.
1: They tried to but win. But then,
2: right. but then some of them said, "Well, that was our plan all along. We thought we were real smart. We were going to double cross the gamblers. We we're going to get our money, and then we we're going to win the fucking World Series." But they never
1: got their money. So they only got a fraction of it. So
2: yeah, and also they could have said that was our plan from the start as a after they could have decided that later that that was going to be their story Um, you can't necessarily trust their testimony Um, of
1: which we do not have which we will talk well, about later. We do later.
2: have Okay, we can talk. There's fucking argument about that too. That's <laughs> the thing. None of this is I know out. it was
1: destroyed. how time i
2: every time I'm trying to get my freaking hands around this shit uh-huh. and every time I get to one thing that I think I know turns out no, maybe not.
1: The other the other part was and because this occurred like only a week before the series um the fact that he didn't pay them their bonuses. Instead, he gave them a case of champagne, which, and this has been uh, several corrobor- corroborating sources, you know, first of all, they're like, I'd rather have my X thousands of dollars rather than some champagne on the last day of the pendant. I mean, you're supposed to do that anyway, right? I mean, you see, like the gnats would like, if they would just win the wild card game, they would be pouring champagne over their heads.
2: Oh my God. Well, yeah, they're excess yeah but here you go you've you've
1: won the american league pennant you're going to the world series and they give you a case of champagne and it's so old that it's flat doesn't even have any bubbles in it it's undrinkable
2: yeah it's pretty sad I but although I mean I wish the learners would do that to our fucking team. <laughs> imagine, imagine. Them Unless with they all didn't their
1: skimp stupid, on the beer, at least I mean that was the one thing. All of
2: those stupid goggles, and they tarp the whole clubhouse, yeah. and then they open the champagne, and it was just like no bubbles, nothing, flat, flat as the earth.
1: Wanted to we talked about nineteen nineteen nineteen. Is one of those years. Uh, just kind of wanted to touch on that, and since you're sort of a, uh, you've got a sweep of history and culture and everything else inside you, um, <laughs> so and it's it's one of these these uh, vortex years, you know, like 1965 or you know, uh, there's there's several mm-hmm. of these years in history, but so you've got the ending of World War One. You're in the midst of the biggest epidemic. We're probably going to break the record here, but it's kind of a coincidence. We're talking about something 101 years ago. We're in the midst of the biggest epidemic since then, or might be even bigger than then. Um and actually, people on their team, on the White Sox, and all the. There's a list in the um, Baseball Hall of Fame Museum of all the people that not just got sick, but died. Guys in their 30s who were famous at the time, you know, the Anthony Rendones of 1919 in other teams died of the mm-hmm. flu. And then there's tons of pictures of they were actually making people. Now, when you look at the limited amount of uh, movie footage. Of the 1919 World Series. I don't see anybody with a mask. But there's tons of pictures over the course of that season. Where people are wearing. Where the where the players. The umps. And everybody in the stands are wearing masks.
2: Well at least they had a season. Uh, we won't they a season, have yeah. that. We won't get to go to a game in a mask.
1: Well unless something turns around radically. Yeah. Yeah. They I won't even trust us to go in there with a mask. Yeah. But they did at the time. They did at the time. So, I just mm-hmm. thought it was a a curious synchronicity. I don't know if you have any thoughts on on the currents of history and and why uh, whether they astrologically <laughs> line up like the winter solstice or something
2: oh oh uh, I don't know that much about astrology, but yes, it could be the the, the one the one hundred and one year return of some planet or or other uh fixed this for us
1: after the world series itself the which was lost three games to five games by the white Sox. so the the cincinnati reds won immediately following rumors certainly were already kind of swirling around but they just increased over time so everybody went into the 1920 uh season and the, um, uh, the White Sox were in contention for the pennant, just like they had been the previous year. And it was down to them and the Cleveland Indians. And But the, over time, the public outcry had increased against this giant scandal. And it was affecting, from the standpoint of the owners, it was affecting uh, stadium ticket sales people were not coming to the games they didn't trust the games they thought it was rigged and finally everybody said okay well we're gonna have to have an investigation because and now it's almost a year later it's literally like a 10 or 11 months later because the public outcry was you know it was hurting them in the pocketbook and it just wouldn't go away everybody thought it would go away didn't go away so they actually dragged these guys before a grand jury and (laughs) yeah. <laughs> Two of them confessed, Shoeless Joe Jackson and the pitcher. Well, what's named,
2: crazy about it is that there was an actual criminal court for this. This wasn't an MLB. It wasn't like what happened with the Astros. These, it was State of Illinois versus these guys.
1: Well, but... but for but,
2: defraud... For attempt, their first charge was defrauding the public.
1: Right, right. So there is a different... I mean, we were going to talk about that too, the, the difference between the Astros. So that was internal... That was an internal thing. There's no law against hitting a trash can. This
2: was the government. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But but fixing a game, uh, deliberately throwing a game. The Astros weren't trying to throw a game. They were trying to win a game by hitting on a trash can. They weren't actually uh, trying to lose for gamblers. That's a whole different level, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's a different level. Although, I mean – uh, cheating flip is cheating. side of the same coin flip side of the same coin
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but you know i just wanted to sort of note that uh, that there were two confessions one by shoeless joe jackson one by right. eddie uh Ciccote, oh, okay. the the starting pitcher oh, yeah. they're 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 max scherzer they're max scherzer who was one of the him and chick gandle were the two guys, as you said, that approached the gamblers. Yeah. I mean, they weren't approached. They approached them because they were so dissatisfied. So anyways, the grand jury said, indicts them, indicts all the eight guys and five gamblers, including Rothstein. But it takes forever for the actual trial to happen. So that that's going on... I don't have the date in front of me but uh, it's like late 1919 they it's not the trial doesn't happen until June 2020 and in the meantime Kaminsky is forced to suspend his players so they couldn't even play in the 2020 season
2: He suspends them uh to save face it,
1: He of... does he does he does it in a protest he has to do it I mean he's just he can't he can't handle the uh the heat So they go to this much Ballyhoo trial. So you want to tell us how that trial turned out? The actual trial.
2: Well, they were acquitted.
1: Right. And how was that possible?
2: Well, this is one of the myths, if okay. I can go back to that. That the, this that this group, this Society for Baseball Research, said that the myth is that at the Black Sox trial, uh, the court is shocked when prosecutors announced that the grand jury testimony from Eddie Eddie. Kikot, is that how you say it? Saccati. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Shoeless Joe, they both testified.
2: Shoeless Joe Jackson and Lefty Williams had been stolen. Right. However, they say that the fact is that though there was a theft of the original transcripts, it was discovered well in advance. The player's testimony was recreated by grand jury stenographers using their shorthand notes and was read back to the jury. This incident mm. had no real effect on the trial.
1: Okay. Well, then how... Then. What I'm thinking because, then is that is that they rigged the jury just the way you would rig a game. Well,
2: okay. From what I read, and this is in a different article called uh, "This is from a website called Famous Trials." They have a really, really long article all about the Black Sox trial. Okay. Um, and so the uh, the Cincinnati Reds had witnesses um, that said that they thought the game was on the up and up. They didn't think that any of the plays. Obviously, they would because they want to. Of course, them. they
1: won. So. <laughs> they don't want it to seem that. Yeah, of course. What? What? What were they supposed to say? Of course, but they <laughs> those also those White got, Sox guys played their heart out.
2: They also got other players from the black from the White Sox, um, from the so-called like clean half of the team, right. that said that they also thought that The guys that all of their players were were playing the best that they could play,
1: and Comiskey himself apparently was on the stand and gave a stirring testimony. I understand. Yeah,
2: exactly. So a lot they had a lot of people po- possibly bearing false witness um, in order to try to salvage. So there were. So it wasn't just the testimony. It, it wasn't just those lost testimonies. What what mattered was that they had all of these all of this jury manipulation with these these different witnesses that they that they brought i mean it's this if you're really interested in it this article does get very 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 deep into the weeds of the q a's that happen on the stand of the objections that were sustained uh, sustained or not sustained by the judge uh but nevertheless there are, there's one here where it's like what players were there at the meeting at the Hotel Sinton. There was Gandal, McMullen, Williams, Felsch, Kakati, and Buck. What about Jackson? Didn't see him there. Right. Did you have a conversation? This kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, who fucking cares? I don't think that they should have been criminally charged for this shit. It's just baseball. I don't think they were defrauding the public. I think that's a little bit... Over the top. I mean, maybe the... Because one of the people on the lawsuit was um, the pitcher who said that he lost money because they threw the games.
1: The pitcher who is involved in the scandal? Yeah. One of the, one of the pitchers, no, no, no.
2: One there, of was the one. Pitchers, there was another one. There was a lefty. Um,
1: okay. Uh, yeah. The span, there was another pitcher who was a clean guy who... Yes. And here, uh, I forgot to say this when we were talking about the flu. So he got the flu, and he was like the second best pitcher. Succotti was the best. He was the second best. He would have pitched two or three of those games instead mm-hmm. of Sakoti and Lefty doing all of them, which means that would have neutralized the fix because he was straight as an arrow. He was unbribable right. apparently. But because he was sick— and almost died. He was in none of those games. Had he been there, none of this would have happened. They would have well, won the series. Well,
2: that's one of those, you Theories. know, it was an especially cold winter in Mongolia. Genghis Khan moments. What would America look like today? But, um, yeah, I think maybe, maybe the... Like if you're a pitcher like that, yeah, you you kind of did get screwed if your team turns against you for money. Um, I still don't think they should have been that. This shit should be the state should be interfering in in baseball. It's like come on.
1: Well, again, we're we're talking about um, a period of time where the state was intervening in what used to be considered um, libertarian rights, the right to drink, exactly. the right to gamble. That's what I and mean. And the state, somewhere. the power of the central government was imposing... Creeping yes its it, tentacles in. Exactly, man. exactly. From a moralistic um, basis, and it was also part of the the religious, um, evangelical, white... Bread, yep, white yep. Female. The whole thing was sort of a, a, a puritanical resurgence of the pilgrims, or something. Yes, it was yeah. a
2: proto-me too. So, <laughs> but as you as you said, drinking went up.
1: It did. Uh, it, well, unintended unintended totally consequence. Unintended consequence. More right.
2: Moral. They just, it is. It was just this kind of fake.
1: Well, no, yeah, it sort of exploded because as punt. soon as you tell somebody, "Oh, you can't do it," they want to do it five times as much, and right, then right. and then you have people like Hemingway and Fitzgerald.
2: Well, this gets us into Kennesaw Mountain Land. Yes,
1: yes, let's do that. Let's do that. So, so so, 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 so let, let's just go back a second. So, they, you, as you said, they were acquitted, right? By by some ridiculous magic they were acquitted despite all this evidence in the criminal trial
2: well there was a lot of witnesses saying i thought they were playing the best damn okay good. okay
1: so, so you're saying uh, 12 jurors honestly came up with a verdict that these guys hadn't done a darn thing they played the best games of their life
2: well i think there's doubt I mean, they confessed, but, but it is reasonable um,
1: doubt. No, that's but, the it, but it
2: started to unravel almost immediately because they didn't get the money they were supposed to get. Right, right. So they they were they they were kind of begging off of it. So that's why I don't know that you can be like, yeah, it wasn't well planned. That's the thing. Like they're having these meetings a day or two before the games. It's like if I'm gonna throw the World Series, I'm gonna do it well. If I'm gonna ring lead something like this, I'm gonna get my money.
0: Well, that's I'm what's kind of weird be
2: because this, like
1: this this criminal um, mob figure, Rothstein, you know, who's, who's a parodied in um, Great Gatsby and everything else, but was supposed to be this criminal mastermind of gambling. Well, bet, and the I, fact that this is so sloppy was like, that's a criminal mastermind? So, <laughs> like, he couldn't he have done that, better like, than this?
2: <laughs> he wasn't the initial person. And and again, well, some that's people, what you said. Yeah. Some people don't know if he really was involved or not.
1: Well, he was one of the indicted parties, and though. And in the grand his, jury.
2: Um. He no, and four
1: other gamblers.
2: He was, he was not indicted.
1: Well, that's what it says in Wikipedia. <laughs> he's
2: he on wasn't. The list. He wasn't. Um. Okay. I don't think he. I don't think he was. He. Uh. People thought that he was the real guilty party, but I think he gave testimony.
1: Okay, so they are acquitted, and presumably it's like the John Sayles film. They all jump up and start yelling and screaming and hugging and kissing each other. And then within 24 hours, go ahead and introduce Mr. Landis.
2: So this guy with one of the craziest names you've ever heard, he was a federal judge, and they appointed him the first commissioner of baseball. So this, this is the granddaddy of Manfred. Right. right? So,
1: and, and what is, so uh, describe to the listeners what a commissioner baseball is, that he's like a Superman. He's like, a you
2: are the king of baseball.
1: Right. Right. You
2: are the tyrant of baseball. Right. Well, I think also they already had something. It was like a three person committee or something like that. And they wanted him to be a part of it. Um, Because
1: I've, but, that, uh, but that's, that commission was sort of discredited because all of the sh- scandals of are, the sh- had happened. Done. So it was like, okay, well, that's not working.
2: Well, they wanted him to be a part of it to kind of come in and clean up the image.
1: And he refused, right?
2: Uh, and he said, not unless I am the king of baseball.
1: Right, exactly.
2: So he was kind of like an anti-George Washington. He was like, yes, I will come in, but only if you give me a crown um and they give him the crown and so he gets to do whatever the fuck he wants and he and he ba- he bans all of these guys for life from baseball he Pete roses them
1: with with within 24 hours of within their 24 acquittal. hours he's like so whatever very dramatic.
2: the deal is i'm fucking exiling all of you to the island you're out of here um
1: which must have been I mean, I can only imagine, you know, once they think, oh, my God, thank God I got out of that thing. And then all of a sudden, well, now you're banned for life. You can't even play in the minor leagues, motherfucker. That must have been kicked to the balls with a crowbar.
2: Shoeless Joe was quoted as saying the day of the the trial uh, that he wanted nothing to do with baseball anymore.
1: Um, Oh, really? Okay, I didn't see that one. Although,
2: I think that was probably a short-lived emotion he he probably... Because he
1: played under assumed names in the minor leagues for years.
2: (laughs) Sockless Sam.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you, you raise a good point, because the last... Okay, this is another edition of the Scandal series. Our first one was about Pete Rose, and the tragedy there was that he was banned for life... Yeah. Um he never threw a game that anybody had ever suggested that we know of but he did bet on baseball uh which apparently you weren't supposed to do by major league uh rules although other people bet on baseball obviously but I guess if you're in baseball you can't so i i guess my question to you is is this a a comparable punishment
2: yeah yeah although i mean what they did is probably worse than what pete rose did but again when you get in the implication of what they did is worse than what pete rose did but when you get into the details a lot of these guys were they were damn fools they did a poor job throwing it um they ended up winning one of the games it wasn't the whole team. It was only a, select, a selection of dudes. Some yeah. of the guys they had in on it weren't even that in on it. As many people point out about Truthless Joe, his batting average during that series is actually higher than his career average. Right,
1: and he also and got he also he got the
2: only home run of the series. Got the
1: only home run, and he had 12 hits, which tied the World Series record up to that time
2: so he played really well he
1: played errorless baseball yeah so he was he wasn't playing like he was in on it
2: he wasn't playing yeah exactly well okay let's Um, tell the
1: story about the five thousand dollars
2: so his roommate got ten thousand from a gambler and was told that five thousand of it of it was for joe threw it down in an envelope and i guess he he took it
1: well um joe was promised twenty twenty thousand and his, I don't think he was his roommate because he had a wife, but I think he was like next door in the well, hotel. Well, I, I or think something.
2: it was in Cincinnati or something. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, oh, maybe. Okay. Maybe. But there, apparently, there, if, he slipped it under a pillow, his pillow, and he so and he was like, okay, this I is five. I thought it was supposed, supposed guy, to be twenty. But there's
2: there's a lot of tooth fairy energy in
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> but but supposedly Joe, you know, because he was like, you know, and remember the um. You remember the Robert Redford movie, The Natural, which was based on the Bernard Melmud book. That I did it, but yeah. Okay. Which was loosely based on that book. And that book was based on Shoeless Sir Jackson, was the quote-unquote The Natural. Now, they the, they depart from the book significantly at the end because he gives the money back in dramatic fashion, right? But um, So right. Joe didn't actually give the money back to the gamblers, but he did throw it back at his friend supposedly. And, he, and whether or not it meant I don't want to be involved or I'm insulted that I was promised 20 and I only received five. One of those two I options. I just
2: don't get it. He, why wasn't he at the meetings?
1: Because you know, he was, because he was a it, dumb why? shit. You know, and nobody why considered him... They, you know, in well, fact, he, he wasn't dumb? as dumb was as he, he
2: dumb. I mean, why did he He was illiterate. He but was the, illiterate. again, being, being uneducated isn't the same as being dumb. That's
1: correct. And in fact, there are a
2: he, lot of incredibly intelligent people who lack a, a formal education. And in fact,
1: I was going to say that. In in fact, he opened. Um, he was a rather uh, moderately a successful, successful businessman. Man. He had a grocery yeah, exactly. store. He had a liquor store. He had some other small businesses. He was probably making a lot more than four thousand dollars a year. By the time he died, you well, know, with his several businesses. I,
2: that's why I have a skepticism about a lot of the character portraits that people try to draw about this. Because, yeah, like people, people. Someone said in that uh, Ken Burns thing, they were like, "He was a dumb farm boy. Yeah. He didn't know anything about finance." I'm like, "What? This isn't mergers and acquisitions." Don't hit the ball. Like, what do you mean? Oh, it's not being Like <laughs> It's like, it's just gambling. <laughs> I don't get, there, there's a lot of elitism. I think it's because the people that write history are people that fucking write history. They're nebbish little freaks. But, um, so they have this. Well, how this many people
1: of- that played baseball even went to college? Any of them?
2: Exactly. Why would you? I I don't know. The thing is, I don't know why why Chick, um, who in the photos of him, see sho- Shoeless Joe, it just looking off appearances alone, he does look like a very like kind of clean cut dude.
1: Shoeless Joe does.
2: Yeah, you don't think so?
1: Well, I mean, I think they were required to shave. I think it was part of the league, uh, things. But like Chick looks like. He's Chick like a evil. character out of a Bruce Willis, you know, movie where he's the bad guy. Like every yeah, time she, someone takes his she, picture, he's like, "I want to kill you."
2: Scowling. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. He, lo- he looks like a uh, a psychopath. He looks like a serial murderer. He
1: totally does. He actually, um, before he went into baseball, he was a quote unquote professional wrestler. Okay. And that was his, his original career. He,
2: he's- <laughs> You know, back when they would beat people games. to a pulp
1: with blood and everything else, back in the day.
2: I mean, I like ch- I like chick. Yeah, but- <laughs> Why do you always See, like Brad- the bad
1: guys? You have a thing like about bad that- boys. No, I'm
2: not saying I like bad boys, but I like that they bring us these stories. I mean, baseball would be boring as shit without this.
1: Well, that's true. Also,
2: I wish they were better at it. I just wish that he was better at being bad. He's bad at being bad. I mean, he didn't. They didn't get their money. They should have been like, look, we're give us the money in advance, and they should have got more people in on it. I mean, it looks like the secret was out. I mean, people knew. So what's the harm in in getting more guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, that was Why kind not? of what we were saying yeah. before. Is like the. There was a certain degree of acceptability or look the other way, you know, just like you would with prostitution and so many other things. But there's like a level, you know, the World Series, that was big stuff. So maybe that was just a bridge too far.
2: I don't know if people really did feel that way.
1: Well, I mean, the public outcry, which was what drove... I mean, it took a very long time. They didn't have the grand jury until, you know, uh, 11 months later in 1920. And then the actual trial wasn't even until 1921. So they took their damn amount of time. I mean, they were trying to slow roll this. Obviously, this was not what the Constitution promises speedy justice. I don't know if (laughs) 24 months of speedy justice for a baseball crime.
2: Well, the Constitution promises a lot of things that uh, <laughs> we don't have.
1: I mean, anything else you want to say? We didn't maybe didn't cover all your myths that you wanted to dispel.
2: Well, I don't want it. I didn't know shit about this until two days ago. I'm just saying that when I did read about it, I discovered how uh, ambiguous a lot of it is.
1: Uh... But you're going to be in the same seat that a lot of our listeners are because, like I said, I don't know if anybody knows... Who the Black Sox? Are, the quote-unquote Black Sox. Well, I or just sure want to say
2: that I think Kennesaw Mountain Landis, yeah, is full of shit, and I like this is like we are still living under the Landis regime in a sense
1: we are because he sort of invented the office and it's sort of like chief justice of a supreme court of one
2: yes exactly and it's or, the yeah, rules Pope, are the
1: same and, sure. and I love the pictures of him. I mean and that guy an is an the scariest judge. dude he was, he was an actual, an actual
2: federal judge it's he was. not like it's like if Rob Manfred was on the federal court or something I mean uh, he yeah I mean he's, he's this intense dude
1: oh my god That hair, I mean, uh, he's like if a lion became a man and then those bags (laughs) under his eyes, you know, look like, you know, sacks of flour or something. It was just unbelievable face, scary as heck. I mean, I'd poop my pants if I saw him.
2: No, he he seems like he's from an older time than
1: than than even nineteen
2: nineteen. <laughs> yeah, it's, he seems like someone from another time. Um, but he he was a hard ass. Like he he you know he brought in Rockefeller. Before his court,
1: right. So he was a product of, like we were saying, 1919 was one of these vortex years. He's clearly a product of that puritanicalism. That that very he
2: was a Scalia aggressive, type, aggressive.
1: Yes, aggressive. I am going to enforce. I'm not just going to sit on the sidelines with disapproval. I am going to do something about it. I am going to start prohibition. I am going to ban gambling. A, I'm going to ban these a, guys.
2: He was a huge baseball fan, and he was in the crowd right. for the World Series. He attended a ton of games. Um, so, and but now some people do mention that they they blame him for the color line remaining in place for so long.
1: Oh, really? I didn't see that.
2: Um, yeah, like he's partially. But that wasn't
1: even in the blamed. conversation in 1919, was it? I mean, because the Negro leagues went all the way until. 1951 even beyond when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier
2: I don't know how long the Negro Leagues lasted but well, the let's... color line broke in 1946 right um, but it, the black people played baseball before 1884 which I didn't know
1: yeah they did they did yeah. it wasn't they it wasn't like... originally segregated I mean right. things, I got didn't, I didn't realize... things got worse things got worse in the Jim Crow world Uh, than before. I mean, things were were better before the Civil War in some respects than they were afterwards. Uh, Right. It got, I mean, the whole thing, the failure of recon... A whole other story. Do we think, as as sort of a sum up here, if you don't have anything else, do we think Shoeless Joe Jackson uh, qualifies for being a tragic figure, a Shakespearean figure we sort of came to that conclusion that Pete Rose was that guy. He did some bad things, but maybe sort of fell down a well that, you know, was unjust. But did Shoeless Joe dig his own grave or did he just, um, stupidly, you know, walk into the shit?
2: I don't think, I don't think he was necessarily stupid. Uh, but I do think that he was passive and that these kind of bat, more aggressive players were just around him. Of course, you'd have to have if you're doing a fix. You'd have to have Shoeless Joe in on it because he's one of their star players. Right. Right. So you need. So you can't have Bryce Harper getting 50 home runs while you're trying to throw the series. Right. So I think that you have he to have the have, main
1: guys key men. He
2: may. Yeah. He may have just had a more submissive personality type. He still played well, like extremely well. No. I mean, um, that was one of the statistics- arguments
1: they made in the trial: is that. I mean, this guy broke all these records. How can you say that he was throwing anything?
2: Right. And no one ever alleged that he attended the meetings. No one right. ever contradicted him. They said, no, he wasn't there. So I think he but was he did just confess. kind of like. His, and his wife made
1: him. His wife he, made him. I think him. he
2: probably just didn't want to be a snitch.
1: Maybe. You mean just loyalty just like, to your crew?
2: Yeah, like, I don't like I I would probably if that was happening, I wouldn't want to be a snitch either. I think he was probably just like, yeah, I'm not going to tell on these guys, but I don't really want to do it. But Um, he did,
1: at least to the grand jury. Then he reversed his testimony in the trial. But he said his wife made him do it. Right. In the in the conjectured testimony, which may or may not. It's always the
2: wife. It's always the woman. Well, No, she
1: was. She was. uh, She was his conscience. In this case, I mean, it's not always that case. Sometimes, I mean, come on, Macbeth's wife was not his conscience,
2: right? That's, <laughs> that's not a, that isn't a historical document. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it's a representation <laughs> of the entire gender throughout the entire history of Homo sapiens.
2: I don't, I don't know. I, I think he's a complicated figure. He's more complicated than people want to make him out to be. They want him to be a dummy um or like some kind of yeah innocent hero uh i don't think he's either of those of those things okay what is he he's what i said before
1: well you said complex figure i mean i I know
2: i said he was passive like he was just there and he was surrounded by it and He didn't tell him. Didn't his
1: failing, his moral failing, was passivity.
2: I don't think it was a failing. I don't think it was a failing. I don't. I don't think that this was that fucking bad. I mean, they really didn't throw. They only kind of threw it. Only some of them. They threw sort of it. half
1: threw it. Yeah.
2: They, they yeah. They like quarter threw it. I mean, it it wasn't that bad. Um,
1: well, one of the things that the Ken Burns documentary does do a good job of is they had that one historian who said the biggest mistake they made was that they allowed the Red Sox to win – not enough the Red Sox, I'm sorry, the Reds, the Reds to win the first game. And that sort of tipped everybody off to the fact that the, there was a fix in because everybody knew the White Sox was a much, much better team. And so after that first game, it just drew, uh, drove the odds down and which meant that the people they the whole reason money. yeah to do this was to have this the super lopsided odds uh suddenly. well, even
2: if you're trying to throw it you're not in control of what the outcome of the game i mean it's not like they can they can purposefully play bad but like you can't you can't be like well i'm gonna win this one guys okay like
1: Well, the other thing that gamblers were famous for throwing were boxing matches, right? And so if a guy walks in in the first round and he's the Muhammad Ali that's expected to win, and then the first punch, he falls down on the ground and he's out, you know that's bullshit, right? You got to look like you fought to death. I mean, and this was a lopsided victory, 3-5. to It should have been 4-5. to They should have taken it to Game 9, right, and fought to the death. And then maybe nobody was. I know, have I know,
2: but you can't. Again, what what wrestling became later was stage. So both actors were in on it. Right, right. But they're but, not. And nobody and
0: bet on that team stuff.
2: Was playing, and half the team was playing for real. Yeah. And the refs were playing for real. They couldn't control it with with eight guys, maybe seven of them, maybe six of them were actually doing it. That's what I'm saying. It was a shitty plan.
1: Well, that's this Senate committee's final gavel on this episode, folks. I want to thank my great investigative staff, Kasi and Bernice. We hope you'll follow or subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite pod platforms. And we'd love it if you'd leave us a shameless, over-the-top rave review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. Also, we want to hear from you! So you can reach us online at scandalsheetpod.com, Facebook, or Twitter. Or just send us an email to contact at scandalsheetpod.com. We'll see you next time on Scandal Sheets!
0: Copyright 2021. Thad Helsley Media. All rights reserved.